Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. A couple people, a couple people are awake today. That's good. Man, it is so, so good to be here. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about, um, about today's topic. I'm excited about free food trucks. I'm really excited about that. Just getting to hang out and to celebrate this season with all of you. I'm excited to have our kids in the house this morning because Christmas is a family event. And so it's important for us to be together, and there's no better way to celebrate the coming of a child than to surround ourselves with children. And that does this old children's pastor's heart good to be in the house with kids. So kids, thank you so much for being here today and being a part of this worship celebration. Um, if you all have a Bible or you've got a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me to um, the New Testament to the, the fourth gospel, so we're going to be in John. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, we call those the gospels because gospel means good news, and the reason those four books are good news is because they tell the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be in the fourth gospel where we're going to kick off today, John chapter 14, and we're going to read verse 27. We'll land there in just a minute. But today marks the fourth Sunday of Advent, the fourth Sunday of what is known as Advent. And so um, in case you're unfamiliar with that, the Advent season begins four Sundays prior to Christmas. And on those, the, each of those Sundays leading up to Christmas, we celebrate um, different things. The first Sunday of Advent, we celebrate hope through the prophecies of the Old Testament that proclaimed that, that Jesus was going to come, that the Messiah was coming to the earth. On the second Sunday of Advent, we celebrate um, faith, and, and particularly the faith of Mary and Joseph, who accepted the burden uh, of, of being called to usher in the Christ child. And then they traveled from their hometown to, to Bethlehem in order that all of these things could take place. That took a great deal of faith. And then the third Sunday of Advent, we celebrate joy and the message that came to those shepherds that we talked about out in the fields that, that the angels proclaimed good tidings of great joy to all the people. And then here today on the, first, or on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we celebrate peace. It's a day that's traditionally set aside to celebrate peace, and it's this season of Advent that is a season of preparation as we, we look toward Christmas and the coming of this promised Christ child. And on this day that we celebrate the peace that was delivered to the world and also to our hearts in this tiny little package of a baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger over 2,000 years ago on that very first Christmas. That's what we've come to celebrate today. But maybe it's just me, but does anyone else find it difficult to focus on peace in the middle of all that we have and are currently 
experiencing in our country and in the world at present? I mean, just simply flipping on the nightly news or scrolling through your social media timeline, you'll see that, that the numbers of COVID cases are on the rise and that new epicenters of the epidemic are, are, are coming, coming about and that, that there's record numbers of death as a result. We learn in, in these moments that there are continued lockdowns in many states along with the imposition of stricter guidelines upon local businesses and, and, and the people, which is causing them to have to shut down and even go out of business. And people are losing their jobs. And as a result, there's financial strain. And is, is Congress ever going to get uh, together on this thing to figure out another stimulus in order to help the people that, that they're placing this oppression upon? And there's, there's tension because of that. We, we hear about further tensions that are stemming from this impending presidential succession in the midst of a lot of controversy. We're told even by some leading health and government officials that maybe it's just best if we cancel Christmas this year, at least in regard to gathering together with friends and loved ones or doing any kind of travel. And here we are, not just a few days away from Christmas, but a few days away from turning the page to a brand new year. And we're facing the growing fear that 2021 might not bring the reprieve from 2020 that we had once hoped. And what if, God forbid, things were to get even worse? And all of this, being compacted and compiled upon everything else that you and I have walked through over the past 9, 10, 11 months. And so from my vantage point today, if you ask me, that doesn't really sound much like peace. Peace for many of us would seem that it's farther away than it maybe has ever been before. But despite all of the chaos and confusion, in the face of all of the doubt and the dread, in light of all of the fear and frustration, I just happen to believe that peace is still out there for the taking. That despite what we're being faced with, peace is still attainable. Jesus said it himself in John 14, 27. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift. That's what this season is often about for a lot of people. It's a gift. And Jesus has, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And listen to what he says about that. He says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So, if you're looking for peace, let me just tell you, you're not going to find it on the nightly news. You're not going to find it in your social media feed. You're not going to find it in the White House or in the Capitol building. That's not where peace comes from. Peace is a gift that is given to us from Jesus. And the peace that he gives is something that the world simply cannot offer. And so that's what we're going to dig into for the next few minutes this morning as the third part of 
our series, Hope for the Holidays. Back in part one, we talked about how that we can have hope because God is with us and that because he chose with, we don't have to choose without. Last week in part two, Pastor Nate talked to us about how our purposes are often wrapped in problems, but that through God's favor, God's power, and our surrender that we can discover our purpose even in the midst of a season that is chaotic and unclear. And so for today, we're going we're gonna to answer some questions. Does God's peace really exist? And if so, what's keeping us from experiencing it? And then what's in it for us if we are able to find it? And so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these three things down. We're going to talk about three reasons that peace is still available this Christmas. In spite of everything taking place in the world around us today, three reasons that peace is still available this Christmas. And the first one of those is that it was promised to us. The promise of peace. It was promised to us. We go all the way back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And here is the promise that came to God's people. Isaiah proclaimed, for a child is born to us, he would be human, a son is given to us, so he would also be God. He was 100% God, 100% man. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Here it is, Prince of Peace. That's not just something that he brings, that's actually his name. It says, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And now at the time that this proclamation was made to the nation of Israel, they were in the midst of impending war. There were, there were nations on either side of them that were threatening to come in and, and battle them and, and overtake them and, and oppress them greatly. And then this proclamation comes in, but, but it doesn't happen immediately. Isaiah spoke these words to the people of Israel. This was proclaimed 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. And so we would like to think that over the course of 700 years, if, if this is the prophecy that has gone forth and, and that peace has been promised and proclaimed to God's people, that, that something would have gotten better over those 700 years. But when we pull back and we look at the scope of the world that, that Jesus came into as that little baby, we see that it was, a, it was a place where the people were being heavily taxed. And they were being forced to live in a police state. And that the division between the wealthy and the working class was growing wider and wider and wider. And approximately 10% of the people controlled all of society. There was an improper balance of power in place. It was a culture full, rife with religious and political corruption. 
And in the middle of all of this is this scandal where an unmarried teenage girl becomes pregnant with a child that didn't even belong to her fiance. But despite all of that, there was still the promise of peace. See, you need to understand something this morning that your situation may seem hopeless. The odds may seem to be stacked against you, but God's promise remains the same today as it was 2,700 years ago when it came forth through Isaiah from God speaking to the people of Israel that his government and its peace will never end. The prince of peace is coming to the world. That is the promise, period. And so because he has come, we then have access to that peace. But it's not just the, the, the promise of peace, it's also the, the prevention of peace. And I know that sounds really weird for me to say that, but, but think about this. You, you've heard that old adage that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? This is how I view, in, through the lens of the scripture, how I view this, this peace that's coming to the world. That, that's how it is with, with God's peace. God's, God's peace, that promise, it had seen some stuff. It had faced some adversity over the years. It, it, it had dealt with some things and it had come out victorious. It had been tried and challenged and put through the fire, yet it still remained. Think about it. Not just in light of the culture of the times, at Jesus' birth, but it withstood 700 years from prophecy to fruition. 400, uh, the last 400 of those years was a time in which God remained silent completely and chose not to speak to his people through a prophet. It tells us that God's delays are not denials. We may be waiting for God to move in our life. Think about the people of Israel. This promise was made and 700 years go by, the last 400 of which God never speaks, but yet all of a sudden it just shows up on the scene. The promise of peace had, had overcome Joseph's mental wrestling match with whether or not he should secretly divorce Mary and succumb to the societal pressures of the day in order to, to save face with those in the community who may think less of him. It rose above being left out in the cold, hung out high and dry because there was simply no room anywhere for this couple in the town of Bethlehem to be able to come in and give birth to this child. It even escaped the threats of a power-hungry politician by the name of Herod and his attempts at genocide in order to thwart God's plan, forcing Jesus and his family to flee from their home country and live as refugees among people that weren't even their own. See, the promise of God's peace, it, it had endured 
some things trying to prevent it. And, and time after time, when something came against it, it would just rise above. Time after time, when something stood in the way, it would overtake it because, because God said peace is coming and there was nothing that was going to stand in the way of it. I love this quote from Pastor Craig Groeschel. He says, if it's not God's timing, you can't force it. But if it is God's timing, you can't stop it. That was the thing. Peace was promised, but for 700 years, it just wasn't God's timing yet. But despite all of the odds being stacked against it, but despite all of the adversity, despite the best laid efforts of the most powerful men of the time, there was nothing that they could do to stand in the way of God's peace coming to the earth because it was his time. And the proclamation was made. God's peace was finally here, Luke chapter 2. We read part of it already today. It said that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be Afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. He continues in verse 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby that is wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God has pleased. To those with whom God is pleased. So it wasn't just the promise of peace it wasn't that just that, that that promise of peace had continued through and, and overcome all the things that, that tried to prevent it, but it resulted in this, the provision of peace, the provision of peace. And I don't know about you, but when I look at it, I think God kind of had a funny way of ushering in the Prince of Peace. So, God, how are we going to do this thing? Well, I'm, I'm going to get a, a carpenter, and his, his, teenage, his teenage girl that he's, that he's engaged to, and, and I'm, I'm going to start with them, and, and then I'm going to send them on a, a 100, over 100-mile 100 journey over rugged terrain with a fully-term pregnant woman on the back of a donkey in the middle of the rainy season. That's how we're going to start this thing, right? Listen, I've traveled with a pregnant woman <laughs> in an SUV with heated leather seats to like Walmart and back. And it wasn't fun. I can't imagine what it would have been like, hey, honey, 
We've got we've to take this trip. But don't worry. I know that you're about to give birth any day now, but don't worry. I've got you this nice donkey to ride on. <laughs> and yeah, I realize it's a monsoon outside, but it's only 100 miles. What's peaceful about that? Right? But it doesn't end there. It, it, it's this couple, and they make their way to Bethlehem, and this woman is forced to give birth without an epidural in a barn while a cow watches. <laughs> God, are you sure that this is what you have in mind to bring in the prince of peace. There is nothing peaceful about that. And then his big plans to announce it to the world by telling a few shepherds out in the countryside near a sleepy little backwoods town in the middle of the night. That's the plan. God, how are you going to bring peace into the world? And God says, I've got a great idea. I'm going to hand you a baby. Have you ever brought home a baby? There is nothing peaceful about that. You bring a baby into your home and everything changes. The schedule is flipped upside down. When you want to sleep, it's awake. When you need to be awake, it's like, and, 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 and you got 2 a.m. feedings and 3 a.m. diaper changes, and, and you can't just pack up, like, just pick up and go anywhere on a whim. You got to be sure that the diaper bag is packed with all kinds of the supplies and on and on that you need and that everything's in the right, like, it just throws everything out of whack. But that was God's plan. For the provision of peace, I'm going to give you this baby. It's going to come to you after this 100-mile journey on the back of a donkey to this unwed mother in a place that there was no room for them. And the only people we're going to tell is a few shepherds that nobody knows out in the countryside in the middle of the night. Despite all of that, peace had come. It was God's plan. Peace had come in the manger there at Bethlehem that evening. But the reason it was peace is because that peace didn't stay in the manger at Bethlehem that evening. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes this. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Yes, in the manger that day, Jesus Christ showed up, but his work was not done. He didn't just stay a little baby. He grew up to become a man. 
who would go and who would die on the cross for your sin and my sin. He would be, he would be crucified, dead, and buried, put in the grave. The stone was rolled over to seal the entrance. And then on the third day, he stepped out of that grave and defeated death and hell in the process. And then later, he ascended into the heavens where he is seated at the right hand of the Father, awaiting the time when God is going to give him instructions to come back to this earth a second time to take those who have placed their hope and their trust in him to be in heaven for all eternity with him. And just like it couldn't be stopped the first time, try as some might, they're not gonna be able to stop it a second time. Paul continues in the book of Colossians. He says this, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, fully God, but also fully man. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He did not come just to be a cute little baby in a manger. He came to make war with the devil of hell. He came to grow up and be a man to go to the cross for you and for me. And it was not a pretty sight. It was ugly. It was the farthest thing from peace. But yet on that tree, the prince of peace came in all of his fullness. And he proved that because of his work on the cross, that that made all the difference. That through his blood that was shed, we can be reconciled. We can have peace. Regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstance. And the message of Christmas on this fourth Sunday of Advent as we celebrate peace is simply this. Just because it's beyond our control doesn't mean it's beyond God's control. Just because the world that we see today, the situation that we are facing is beyond our control does not mean that it's beyond God's control. Because in that moment, right there in that manger, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords had come and he was in charge. That's why we can have peace today. Because of that moment and every moment since, that little baby in that overlooked stable, in the middle of all the chaos, in the face of all the adversity, he was in complete control. And he's still in control of your life and my life today. Right here, right now. So Jesus' words out of John 16 says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. He says, you will have them, not you may have them. Bad stuff's gonna happen. In this world, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 
right there in that moment when Emmanuel showed up. God with us was, was there. He was, he was present in that stable in Bethlehem. The world was changed forever. He came not to be a baby, but he came to become a man, to die on the cross for you and for me. And so today, if, if we don't have peace in our lives, if we don't have peace in a certain situation, it's not because God has withheld it. It's because we haven't received it. If we don't have peace in our lives about something, it's not because God is keeping it from us. It's because we've refused to reach out and take hold of it. See, we receive peace by submitting to the rule of the Prince of Peace. It doesn't mean that the outward circumstances are going to change. It doesn't mean that the bad stuff, the trials and sorrows, that they're just going to magically disappear, that we're not gonna have to walk through or endure any of those times, those seasons, those challenges, those, those struggles, that adversity. It doesn't mean that all of that is going to come to an end. It's not gonna change anything out here, but it's gonna change everything in here. That's why the Prince of Peace has come. That is the peace that we can have. It doesn't mean that the circumstances are going to change. We are still going to have to face them. But in the middle of the storm, we can be unshakable. But notice it says that peace came to those in whom God is pleased. We talk a lot about this time, uh, around this time, about peace on earth. We leave out that second part. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. How do we please God? Simple. By giving up ourselves. By choosing to no longer live our way. Choosing to live his way instead. If we don't have peace in our lives, it's because we're choosing to handle it with our own strength. In our own power, we're choosing to look at the situation through our own viewpoint and, and we're, we're refusing instead to take hold of God and his peace for the situation. And you can do that this morning. There's no age limit. There's no prerequisite. Jesus just says, I want you to come. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be your peace today. If that's you and you'd like to receive that peace, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer. It's going to be right here on the screen. Maybe you're doing it for the first time this morning and you're saying, Pastor Blake, that's, that's what I need in my life. I want to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ today so that I can experience his peace. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus came to die in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. 
See, the truth is that Jesus showed up so that he could shine a light in the dark places of this world so that peace could be found. And he came not just for the wealthy, not just for the elite, not just for the people that had it all together. Instead, he came for the unclean and the unholy. He came to bring peace to those that are feeling broken and unworthy, to those that are wounded and hurting, those lost and lonely. Jesus came to bring peace to the outcast, to the defeated, the weak and the weary. The Prince of Peace has come. That's the hope that you and I can have this Christmas. That regardless of our situation, no matter what life brings our way, we can have peace through the light of the world, Jesus Christ, if we'll only receive him. Will you receive him today? Will you come and worship? Will you take hold of his peace? If you will, I want to invite you to stand. Let's get ready to worship the Lord together.